Hold on to your butt. I'm quite surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to be. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Oh, welcome. Welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Alongside me this evening is Troy. How you doing, man? I've made a huge mistake. You've made a huge mistake. I ate way too much for dinner, and now I'm drowsy. Oh, I was better than bloated. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It all goes to my butt, so. Well, I mean, nothing wrong with that. And shapely calves, too. Is that, are you injecting fat into your calves, or do you actually just do all those toe raises? It's just muscle. Just muscle, good. I tell you what, though, the cramps suck. When you have calf muscles that size? You ever make, you ever, like, get woken up in the middle of the night with a toe cramp or a calf cramp? Oh, yeah. 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 You really got to rub it out. Yeah. Oh, no, seriously. It's poorly phrased. No, you got to rub out that cramp. Yeah. Right. It's all clenched. Right. It's not fun. It's just like something attacking. What are they, like a hobby horse? Uh, Charlie horse? Charlie horse. Not a hobby horse. is completely different. Yeah. I was just going for horse. That's how my mind worked at that moment. Horse, hobby, no, oh, Charlie horse. But I don't even know the origins of Charlie horse. Why is it called a Charlie horse when your leg cramps up? We should look up the etymology of that. Yeah, that'll be fascinating for our radio listeners, I'm sure. Uh, so, folks, I had a great weekend. I feel freshly worked out. I'm going to be sore as hell tomorrow, but I asked for it. So, good. Good. Did you watch the Super Bowl? I watched the second half. Wow. Yeah. You did not miss anything in the first half. Yeah, well, I've told the story earlier today on air, but... I went to somebody's essentially like farm plantation mansion, like 15 minutes south of the city around Ada, Alabama. And like once you get to the property and pass through the gates that say like something plantation, it takes like 10 minutes, this circuitous road that's like just been cut open. It's a dirt road. You got to be careful. And I went with Andrew, you know, Andrew and his truck. Is F-150. And we got there in the middle of the night Saturday. Had a great night Saturday. Had a good Sunday morning. But I was about ready to go. I wanted to watch Super Bowl at home and be relaxed and fall asleep at my own place. Because I knew watching Super Bowl would fall asleep. And so we're ready to go. Andrew, very considerately and thoughtfully, is like, let me go pull my truck right up to the, the house so we don't have to carry all our stuff out to it. And I'm watching him from like 30, 35 yards away. And I'm like, no, no, he's backing up and he can't see in his rear view or side mirrors the low, probably about waist high, actual stone wall. And I'm like, no, don't, no, boom. Oh, no. And at first I thought it was his bumper. That hit. And it's like, oh, that's going to really mess up his frame on the car and have to fix that bumper. No, he didn't hit the bumper. He hit almost perfectly his back left tire and rim or whatever. And after the huge smash, clashing of stone against metal, we then heard this sound. 
<laughs> no. And I'm like, no, I want to go home. <laughs> He's feeling bad as it is, but we're all like, uh, we got to change a tire now. So... Does he have a spare in that bed? Yeah, or it's underneath the truck. Oh, okay. It's like held with some contraption we had to figure out for a second where you unscrew it and it lowers the tire mm-hmm. down. But we jacked it up. He's got the jack underneath the hood and we're jacking the car up and he starts to undo the lug nuts. And as he pulls off the tire, the car starts rolling backwards. So I had to like hold the truck in place. And what would happen is the ground was so soft, the jack that was holding up had sunk in was starting to tilt. Oh, my God. So we're like, help! Somebody help! And so somebody else had another jack in another car that was a little more stable. This The jack we were using originally is just that one footprint, and it's a rod you just jack it's up. It's a jack for a Ford Fiesta? Yeah, and, but it's in his F-150 for right. some reason. But we got one that had two feet, a little more stable, and while I'm holding the truck, make sure it doesn't roll back any further, jacked it up more under the second jack, and then... We're able to get it off with one thread that was dirty. The lug nut was having trouble going back on. Anyway, the spare was low in air. We got to get out of this place with all this mud, try not to get stuck in the middle of the night. We got home. And as I got home, the second half was on. And I, I have to say, it was actually good football. It wasn't the most electric game. If you like defense, this yeah. was your game. Really good. If you play. like man defense, you hated the Patriots. <laughs> uh, they were they were in zone like ninety percent of the time. But apparently, uh, Edelman, who won the MVP award, is the first Jewish MVP. Oh, I thought you were going to say juicer because <laughs> he was suspended for the first four games of the season for violating the performance for... enhancing drug policy. Wow. Mm, I wonder what he took. I wonder what he took. Because I was I'm not sure. listening to, it probably was a Rogan podcast, but they're now finding that once you do that to your body, like do some sort of performance-enhancing drug, it'll be a little different than like right after you used it, but that extra that you get from it, like your muscles being able to take in more oxygen and build and work, yeah. uh, it's always there. Yeah. So it, it, Well, it, it depends on the, the type of drug you do. True. Like TRT... You can see in the UFC guys that have taken TRT and are huge. Yeah. Then they get off of it, and then they just get beat. Right. Well, and apparently if you do that sort of stuff, your body will correct for it. It's like, oh, I'm getting plenty of testosterone. (laughs) So you got to be careful how much you use, how much you do. I almost like the school of thought that if you're playing at a professional level, here's the level that... or They almost need to test for certain levels, like find somebody's baseline... And I'm not an expert in this field, but you can find baselines on certain indicators. And, okay, you can only go up to this amount uh, in your system. The problem is the majority of these guys start juicing in high school. Right. I mean, PEDs are a huge problem in high school. Especially with bodybuilding and all sorts of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. And I I really don't mind the concept if it's like to repair an injury, these sorts of things. Oh, like HGH? Yeah, like if it's, but if it's for a legitimate purpose, like you tore something or you're using stem cell therapy to repair something, I don't have a problem with that. Right. But if you're like, you know, injecting stem cells intravenously in order to get that buzz and that performance, I'm like, what is... I don't think you get a buzz off of stem cells. I, I think that one guy, I mean, they weren't talking about like injecting to like a torn rotator cuff or meniscus or something, which is pretty amazing what stem cell therapy can do with yeah. that. But uh, no, this one guy, I think, I was thinking boss rootin or something like that, like had it just injected his own stem cells. 
that were harvested from him, his own body, injected back into his bloodstream. And he said, it was like, I was on fire. Like, what is wrong with you, dude? Boss is crazy, though. Yeah. That, and that, I'm getting more and more fascinated with that world of performance. Like, that's why I've been working out. I'm not really, I'm not trying to do CrossFit games or run a marathon or anything. It's just like, I want to feel a little better. Yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. as soon as the spray tan starts coming out, Joey... <laughs> You should smack I'm going to bring... I'm going to have to bring you back down. Please. Please. I don't need to do any spray <laughs> tanning. <laughs> that stuff's ridiculous. And I don't like shortcuts. Like, there really are guys injecting, like, fat into their calves or... that get yeah. fake Not implants. to mention the, the crazy synthetic stuff. Uh, synthroid? Not synthroid. Boy, that's... I, th- I shouldn't have said that. Synthroid's like a... It's almost like a pill that gives you energy and it's... Mm. it's but it's not like vitamin B12 or anything. It's not like cyanocobalamin. and it's like for elderly people. Anyway, it's not Centroid. I can't think of what it is, but it's something that you inject into whatever muscle you want to make look bigger. Mm. And people have done so much of it that it actually like pops. Oh, Lord. Yeah, like the flesh. That's not good. Yeah, well, like, and- like an old dead horse. And also, I'll just say for the ladies out there, the only way you're going to have that fantastic J-Lo booty, you got to do some deadlifts and squats and actually, you know, work out. I guess you could go get your butt injected with something. It looks weird. In my opinion. Looks really weird. I like your butt the way it is. Right. Ladies. Right. But if you feel that that would make you feel better about yourself... Then I support that as well. Go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm. I, yeah. We're both easy. Freedom. Freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. Right. But I want to get to. I'll I do want to be the little spoon every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Like a jetpack. Nice. Maybe you should, you know, charm one of these CrossFit chicks. It's true. Because they're more jacked than I am. The both of us combined. Yeah, but I. CrossFit is dangerous. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like a good idea. Yeah, I think it works if you know your limit. Like, you're not going all out every so day. Some of the things that these people do, I'm like, how are your knees not shredded? You're right. going to be in a wheelchair by the time you're 60. Right, exactly. Like, you'll get major short-term gains, but in the long run, going that hard that often is probably not wise. Like, I'm only doing two days a week. Like CrossFit? Uh, of their CrossFit style, and um, it's not a true CrossFit oh, like gym. Boot camp stuff? Uh, no, I'm going to place. Uh, I was there this morning. Express Fitness 24 oh. seven, and I like it because that you get a key fob once you become a member, and you can just go on in when you you like. But I'm also getting personal training twice a week, and he's, I'm essentially doing CrossFit style workouts. You kicking your butt? Yeah. Oh my lord! I mean, I had to take a break because I what is it, piriformis or something syndrome, where a little muscle in your hip and your lower back, and it when it swells and gets irritated, it'll pinch your sciatica. So it wasn't like full blown all the way down my leg; it was just isolated in the hip. But it's like, okay, we'll give your hip a rest today. We're doing bench and lap pull down. Anyway, people don't want to hear this. As soon as that hip's ready, we're going to be doing burpees all day. Yeah, that's, I think that's what's in store for me Friday. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. But I, I signed up for it. It's what I told them. I'm like, I don't like deadlift. I don't like squats. I'm remembering that from high school. So let's do those first. Yeah. Let's go after the thing that I don't want to do. Yeah, and, and conquer it. But uh, there's a news story that came out that kind of we this ongoing discussion we've had on air and off air about 
Mueller investigation and Russia's role in the world and their role in the elections and all this stuff. I'm starting on one front on Russia to backpedal a little bit, especially from folks like, I don't know if he's still with the Air War College, but a guy here in Montgomery named Mark Conversino, great guy, great guy to have a beer with. He, uh, he sort of changed my mind about what Putin and Russia are trying to accomplish uh, in terms of geopolitics. What's their just general goal? And, they, and as you've brought to my attention to continue to expand into their near abroad. Like, Putin made some comment recently about Estonia or Belarus or something. Oh, are you asking me? Yeah. Yeah, Belarus. Yeah. Where, okay, that's that should trouble anybody. Though, I mean, to put minds at ease, people that are already NATO countries, like Poland, Poland's ready to go. Like, if Russia tries anything, Poland's ready to go. But And, and NATO is sending Canadians into non-NATO countries just as fast as possible. Right. So that when, The Canadians? Yeah, they're in Ukraine right now. Nice. Doing quote-unquote exercises. But essentially, it's... If Putin attacks and he attacks Canadians, then all of NATO is going to join in because right. they attacked in NATO. And that's just to make clear to the Russians, you know, we know, don't do anything. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a buffer. But then pulling out of this, uh, the United States pulling out of this INF treaty... Their treaty claiming Russia has violated the treaty. Uh, the INF treaty is essentially banned in 1987 uh, ground-to-air missiles, in particular, like, cruise missile batteries. Right. You have to declare them all, slowly start to get rid of them, but apparently Russia, with these new cruise missiles they have, I think, like, the caliber or something, they can be land-based, like a land-missile battery, and very hard to detect, you don't see it coming. And then you, if you can imagine, folks, them moving just one missile battery with nuclear warheads on these cruise missiles, and they move them into Kaliningrad, which is a little enclave in the heart of Europe between, like, Poland and Lithuania, where Russia could wreak havoc. They really could. So this new arms race and all this stuff has me on alert. I'll put it that way. But not to the extent of my story tonight. Because... This is what propagandists do. This is what I think a lot of people in politics do. They take something that's true and then they exaggerate it to the point of this is a great smear against anybody we don't like. So this is from The Intercept and Glenn Greenwald. And he says, NBC News published a predictable viral story Friday claiming that, quote, experts who track websites and social media linked to Russia have seen stirrings of a possible campaign of support for Hawaii Democrat Tulsi Gabbard, end quote. But the whole story was a sham. The only expert, quote-unquote expert, cited by NBC in support of its key claim was the firm New Knowledge, which just got caught by the New York Times fabricating Russian troll accounts on behalf of the Democratic Party in the great state of Alabama. This was during the Alabama Senate race between Doug Jones and Roy Moore. To justify its claim that Gabbard is the Kremlin's candidate, NBC stated, quote, analysts at New Knowledge, the company the Senate Intelligence Committee used to track Russian activities in the 2016 election, told NBC News they've spotted chatter related to Gabbard in anonymous online message boards, including those known for fomenting right-wing troll campaigns. What NBC amazingly concealed, writes Glenn Greenwald, 
is a fact that reveals its article to be journalistic fraud. That same firm, New Knowledge, was caught just six weeks ago engaging in a massive scam to create fictitious Russian troll accounts on Facebook and Twitter in order to claim that the Kremlin was working to defeat Democratic Senate nominee Doug Jones in Alabama. The New York Times, when exposing the scam, quoted a New Knowledge report that boasted of its fabrications. Quote, we orchestrated an elaborate false flag operation that planted the idea that the Roy Moore campaign was amplified on social media by a Russian botnet. Now, the guy who gave them all the money, new knowledge, uh, he was the co-founder of LinkedIn, said he didn't know anything about it, condemned it when this report of the scam came out. Doug Jones says, I didn't know anything about this, condemned it and called for a federal investigation into new knowledge. Shout out to Doug Jones for... Yeah. Voting on the back pay for the federal workers, by the way. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, which, is that the additional bill that's come out? Uh, no, I'm not sure if he voted on that. I mean, 99 Democrats and one Republican. This is the back pay for the contract workers that was voted on, like, today yeah, okay. this weekend or whatever. Yeah. But I didn't see who voted. I just saw the numbers. Yeah. And, well, yeah. I, I mean, I if, you're gonna, if you're going to get furloughed politics. for, like, a month and right. not get back pay i'd be pissed i agree i agree it's not it's not their fault the people in congress can't get their heads out of there um, right on an issue it's... that we should have uh, solved a decade ago immigration yeah. there's been a compromise staring us in the face on immigration for two decades at least but nobody wants to budge but i found this story fascinating because it's a good example of like I'm trying to see this as clear as I can. I'm waiting on Robert Mueller to come out with something. And it's the new thing with Roger Stone's interesting, but I'm just kind of... Where's your report, man? I want to see it. He's not... Well, I mean, he's not coming out with anything that we can see because it's all redacted or under seal. But, and this is what's so interesting, is at least in Stone's case, and I think Manafort's case, they their attorneys have released some documents that were unredacted redacted documents. <laughs> so it's how we found out that like um, Manafort gave the Russians all the polling data. Right. And it allowed the Russians to target particular states. That's why I don't think a Russian botnet would work in Alabama. Right. I don't think it would. Because we have people here that will do that for them. <laughs> right. I mean, all it takes is six or seven people to stir everybody up on both sides in Alabama. I mean, we're a razor's edge of hate here. Mm-hmm. Oh, hate between each other? Yeah. Like, across the parties? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Though, I was amazed to see Doug Jones win, because Alabama, in my mind, is really a one-party state, unless you're talking, like, local elections. Right. In Montgomery, local elections, you often get Democrats, like the urban centers. But generally, uh, I consider the Doug Jones thing an anomaly. I think he's good luck on your re-election campaign. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen. But when your competition is Roy Moore... <laughs> right. Oh, good Lord. If you lose to Roy Moore... That either says that our education system in this state is fundamentally broken, 
or something weird happened because Roy Moore shot himself in the foot like 17 different times and still got the nomination yeah. for the Republicans. Well, people are loyal, I suppose. And that's what I've found with Roy Moore. There are people who love him, who will look the other way, or they really like what he's doing, or then a lot of folks who just can't stand the man. And when you're talking about primary politics, yeah. and you're also talking about populism and you know Mitch McConnell getting behind Luther Strange, I could see why he got the nomination. It was just kind of like, and there were all these rumors that like there were machinations with Governor Bentley and stuff with Luther Strange. It's just how much of it is true, I don't know. And it's just kind of like I don't believe anything anymore. <laughs> I really don't. Like, if it's right in front of me, okay. But generally, I'm, I also try to think that the American people, I, I'm, I'm, I'm manic about that. I'm all over the place. I, I want to think they're smarter than being fooled by, like, a Russian botnet. But then also I see, like, polling data on any given issue. Or if you ask the question in a certain way, people are like, yeah, I love Medicare for all. What if it costs a lot, like this, like $32 trillion? low number over 10 years and it might increase wait times for certain procedures. No, I don't want it! Like, come on, people! It's like, garbage in, garbage out. I I just, I'm confounded at times by how nuts politics can be. And then folks like this don't help. This guy for new knowledge, who essentially, I don't know his exact name, I could look it up in this report, but he was boasting that essentially he made fake Russian accounts to act like they're helping Roy Moore against Doug Jones. Then he went to the media and said, I'm a social media expert and I've got the dirt on all these Russians helping Roy Moore, the ones he created. It's like, how dirty can you get? And how desperate is the news to look for any continuation of their narrative? Yeah. I'm going to establish my own expertise <laughs> and then sell it to the highest bidder. Ugh, so many con men out there. It's like, it's yeah. like uh, if I needed advice on vaginal stones, mm -hmm. I would go with, uh, not Gwen Stefani, she's in uh, Iron Man. She sells those. Gwyneth Paltrow? Yeah, she sells those. Jewels. Stones that you put in your vajayjay? Yeah. If I wanted advice on that, she's the expert. But I'm never going to need advice on that, <laughs> and I don't think anybody should seek advice on that. Right. <laughs> so, essentially, any scam product or service, like, I'm the expert on it. It's like, great, you're an expert on a scam. Right. Good for you. Are there women that really do that? She does. Oh, that's just... I guess if it floats kind of back to our original point of... I'm not going to tell you no. I'm not going to tell you yes. Like, if that yeah. makes you feel fulfilled and better. I, with that choice of words? Yeah, I'm not. Phrasing, Joey. Phrasing. Well, let's hit this break, but before we do, a great sponsor of the show. He's become a good friend. Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. Uh, he not only wants to be your buyer's agent, especially if you're going to be a first-time home buyer, and you're a little hesitant about the prognosis, or the, the process, but... You don't want to admit ignorance or it kind of keeps you cloistered up. Maybe you think you're always going to rent. I don't make enough money. Well, let Eddie Bader open up your eyes to the process, to the options you have out there. It's more than you think. He changed his own life by investing in real estate. He can probably change yours. But also, if you're looking to sell your home, Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group 
is your go-to guy. He's a full-service real estate agent. He's not going to just have you sign a contract and wait by the phone for people to call when they see that sign in your yard. No, he's going to go the extra mile because it's a win-win for both of you if you sell that home quickly. He'll suggest renovations, repairs you want to do before anybody asks for them, how to do a successful open house. And because he has this experience with managing properties, he, it's much more intimate than saying he just makes deals. He actually knows the real estate market up and down. A great guy to work with, and he's down to earth. So give him a call. Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group, 322-0662. Give him that number, 322-0662. Be like, hey, this is Eddie. And be sure to tell him, you know, Joey sent you. He'll open your eyes. He really will. I like the guy. What can I say? If you want, just go grab his favorite thing. I'll give you a tip, folks. Pizza. Pizza is a good way to into somebody's heart. I agree. And no, I'm not just saying Eddie likes to order a pizza every now and then. This guy's a pizza fanatic. He knows his pizza. When he goes to a new city, he's visiting somewhere, he's going to go check out the pizza. You got to get a local pie. Yeah, exactly. Great guy. So give him a call, folks. 322-0662. On the other side of this break, I'm going to try to stay away from the... I've got specifics on those stones, by the way. Yeah? Mm-hmm. That people put up their hoo-ha? Mm-hmm. Price, size, they material. Different, yeah. Different varieties. Uh, I don't know about varieties. I know jade is... Any garlic clove variety? No, that, uh, that wouldn't be good. That's an anticoagulant. We'll be back. Joey Clark. Joey Clark. Well, welcome back. You know, I was just telling Troy off air, I have no clue if I had to put down money on who's going to be the Democrats' nominee. I've, I don't know where I would put my chips. That's a really warm kick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a warm kick. Remember when we uh, made this? Vaguely. Yeah. Some random night over at Magnolia Woods. Making music. Making shapes. But, uh... Yeah, I don't, I don't know who it's going to be either. I, I think, once again, they're going to cannibalize themselves. And just <laughs> further fragment. Well, and the stories that come up about people. Like their past. Like Kamala Harris apparently... There's this story that's been around for years about her sleeping with the mayor of San Francisco, Willie Brown, and that was literally her leg up to uh, getting into politics. Yeah. And at first I'm like, oh, this has to be some ridiculous kind of echo chamber thing. No, it's, it's been confirmed by Willie himself. So, it, but it's just weird. Okay, that's existed for a long time. Now that when this is what happens, like this Virginia governor, once the national news starts to focus on you for whatever reason, happened with Roy Moore, stuff that you never thought would see the light of day is now, for better or for worse, being brought out. And if, if he steps down, he's dumb. Yeah. Because he's holding himself to, if we're going to talk about standards, then he's holding himself to a higher standard than the majority of both parties. Well, his apology was so weird, too, where he's like, I'm sorry, 
but that's not me in the photo. But I did this one time at a dance competition, put shoe polish on my face to impersonate Michael Jackson. Like, who would have known that? Shut your mouth. And then the reporter asked him to do the moonwalk. And he almost does it. And his wife's like, what are you doing? That's inappropriate. We're apologizing for blackface. Don't start doing the moonwalk, you big idiot. It's a circus. I think he may or may not resign. but If he does resign, then there's going to be this huge backlash over uh, the turtle in Kentucky, McConnell. Oh, Mitch McConnell? Yeah. Because there's a picture of him when he's like 45 years old. In blackface? No, he's with the Confederate flag. Oh. Well. And that's kind of baked into the cake. Well, they are. They, I mean, <laughs> you're I guess, senator from Kentucky. Kentucky wasn't. They were mostly yeah, union. No. But regardless, if, if I were to be like, do you love America? And you say, I love or I support the Confederate flag then I'm going to say, no, you don't love America because they literally made a different country. It's just, where do your loyalties lie? Leonard Skinner, that's who. Oh, wow. That's that's where the Confederate flag stuff to me is like, well, yeah, like I remember going to the, the Auburn rodeo the first time you and I went and I step out of the truck like, there's already hundreds of people there. And above the little outdoor arena thing where the stage is, there's, like, a massive Confederate battle flag. I'm like, what fresh hell is this? Yeah. But then also, you see, like, again, Leonard Skinner shirts. And I'm like, well, I do like Leonard Skinner. And yeah, it's like, as soon as I step off of this truck, first, I'm going to try to avoid the cow patty. <laughs> Second, I'm going to play... A role. I'm just going to play into this strange yeah. country. It's it was fun hedonism but, we've stepped into. Yeah, but it's I've never understood it, and I'm born and raised here. I've never had the desire to go, you know, fly a Confederate battle flag from a truck. Just haven't. Whatever. Anyway, I, I think he's now getting calls up from the Democrats in his state to resign too. Possibly because they see an opportunity to have a governor for even longer. Because he's only a year into his first term. I think it's only one term for governors there in that state. So if they can get the lieutenant governor in there, he gets essentially two terms for free. So there's cynical political interests going on. But anyway, stuff comes out from people's past. That was a medical school picture, too. Yeah, it was. At first, I thought it was high school. That like, makes it worse. I know. But we're doing that. We did the Kavanaugh with them combing through every little message in his yearbook. Yeah, that, that shouldn't have happened. No. He, he shouldn't have been anywhere close to getting confirmed. But we're going to shove it through. Yeah. Screw what the population thinks. Well, We've got an agenda. Well, that's what people, a lot of people elected the president to do. It's what the people want. Yeah. We're give it to him. That's what some people want. Well, the way that was done, too, was just icky and all manner of things. Well, now they're talk- there's just so many states talking about getting rid of the Electoral College, and it's like, oh, Don't do God. that. You're just being, it, it's almost like, God, this sounds petulant, but it's almost, you're being a sore loser now. Yes. Stop it. Well, that's how democracy is the greatest thing on earth until it doesn't work for us. Then it was stolen, and the popular right. vote should matter more. 50 years from now? If the tables are turned and 
they get rid of the Electoral College, they're going to be like, oh, boy, we really shot ourselves in the foot there. Yeah, just a little bit. And it's, I don't know, all these things that get unearthed, though, from people's past, where it's like, whether it's Roy Moore or Brett Kavanaugh or this guy in Virginia or whatever, or Kamala Harris, or, like, can't we talk about, like, policies, like, judicial philosophy? No. No, we're not going to do it with Cory Booker, folks. Because he has announced... You know, I'm not talking about his I am Spartacus moment where he was like, I'm going to release these documents. I think it was during the Kavanaugh thing. I'm going to release these documents that are confidential and because I am Spartacus. Like, I don't think that's how it worked in the movie. Like, everybody else stood up to say I'm Spartacus to protect other, the actual Spartacus. You're declaring yourself Spartacus to toot your own horn. Yeah. And plus, the documents releasing have already been released. What's wrong with you, Corey? You're not in trouble. No, I am in trouble. I should be in trouble. It's like it's like saying, where's Waldo? And Cory Booker going, I'm Waldo. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks. I didn't have to look very hard. And, and Corey, we're not even looking for Waldo. We already found him. <laughs> What's your deal? But anyway, this is a funny thing from Cory Booker's past. And he's dealt with it for years now. He dealt with it when he was running for Senate. And he still hasn't really gotten the right tone or like answer down to this question so and let's be clear i i think he's a lightweight but i do like some of the work he's done in the senate like he's called for marijuana legalization he worked with Rand paul and the president signed that criminal justice reform bill the first step bill great stuff i don't mind that sort of thing again if we're just talking about policy if he can get things done cross the aisle in the senate great great but booker's chances will no doubt be hurt by his penchant for grandstanding and embellishing the truth. Now, probably, but what person in politics doesn't embellish and exaggerate? And look at look at our president. Right. Hillary Clinton literally said on the campaign trail, "You govern in poetry, and you can't." Or, yeah, you campaign in poetry, and you govern in prose. It's like so you're essentially admitting, like, say flowery, over the top things, and then don't follow through with them. Like you're admitting it? God. It's just a, oh, God. It's a, She let that back room slogan get out onto the campaign trail, which is just, I hope she doesn't run again. I don't want to repeat a 2016. I want a new she, show. She's not thinking about it, is she? I saw some reports, yeah. No. Yeah, that they're watching. And one theory is that she'll wait till all the Democrats sort of take themselves out. In the early primaries, and at the last second of the deadline, she can swoop in. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the deal. When you exaggerate and do things for rhetorical purposes, it should be effective. And Cory Booker has proven with the Spartacus thing, he doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. Yeah. So, let's give another for instance he's been dealing with for years. For instance, his many references to T-Bone, the drug dealer, who Booker claimed to have been friends with. Various critics have questioned whether T-Bone is actually a real person. And Booker has never really provided a definitive response. Booker was talking about T-Bone at least as far back as 2000 when he gave an interview to Stanford Magazine. Booker is an alum of Stanford University. I still remember my first month on the street. Booker said in the interview, referring back to 1995 when he moved to a dangerous neighborhood in Newark, New Jersey. What a lovely place. I walked up to this charismatic black guy my age called T-Bone, 
who's one of the drug lords. I just said, lords. yeah, I just said, yo, man, what's up? And he leaped in front of me, looked me right in the eye and said, who the blank do you think you are? If you ever so much as look at me again, I'm going to put a cap in your ass. This is the story Booker put out there. T-Bone then became a regular in Booker's anecdotes. I'm, I'm, I'm making this face, Troy, because it's like, what? why is this an anecdote on the campaign trail? Whether you're running for mayor or senate. Anyway, I said hello to this guy, and I'll never forget he leaped off the steps where he was standing and looked at me and threatened my life. That was at a speech at the New School in, 20, in 2007. Not long after he was elected mayor of Newark. I later got to know this guy, and his name was T-Bone. And I'm a vegetarian, so that was a particularly vicious threat. Oh, Lord. See, this is my example of him being a lightweight. Really? You, you're telling a story about you just saying, yo, what's up, man, to a drug lord, and because you're a vegetarian, the name T-Bone's a... That's not a... That's... So many of these quotes need to have their own quotes for emphasis. <laughs> Quote T-Bone, unquote. But folks, you get the point. In fact, Booker has admitted to talking about T-Bone, um, quote, million times. He, see, he, he can't even, he has to exaggerate even the, the numerous amounts of times he's mentioned T-Bone. Hey, you, know what, you know what probably happened? Hmm. He was on the campaign trail running to become mayor of Newark. And someone said, hey, the population has a hard time connecting with you because you're a vegetarian. And, and you, you went, went to Stanford. Stanford. <laughs> so, how about you go and meet some of the local population? <laughs> and he bumped into a guy named T-Bone, and he's probably just, he probably said, T-Bone, it was great to meet you. I can't wait to use you in every aspect of my political career from now on. And then he forgot about T-Bone. And he never really helped T-Bone out. Well, he says... Eventually, T-Bone and him became friends, but then eventually that friendship ended after the drug dealer said there were warrants out for his arrest. Quote, that rift between me... Listen to this language. It's just... What did somebody say? Corny. I think a Democrat pundit said, this is the corniest guy in the world. That rift between me and T-Bone was inches. We sat there, but I felt so alienated... That there was a gulf as wide as the Grand Canyon between us. And I could not reach out to save this young man, and we drove back to Brick Towers, and I've never seen him again since that day. By the way, T-Bone, thank you for giving me this capital that I can use for the rest of my political career. So people are hearing this, especially back in 2013 when Cory Booker ran for Senate. And they started to question the validity of the T-Bone story. Because <laughs> people aren't stupid. That's because no one had ever heard of a drug dealer in Newark who went by that name. You would think somebody else. What, did T-Bone give you his, that's his real name? And he's using another alias to sell drugs? <sighs> in August of that year, National Review spoke to Clement Price, a history professor and friend of Booker who claimed that the then-Senate candidate admitted to him in 2008 that T-Bone was not real. Rather, T-Bone was a composite of various people Booker knew in Newark. Corey realized that he had erred. He told me that my criticism of his invention of T-Bone made perfect sense to him and that he had made a mistake. 
I was just trying on some level to communicate with my constituency. But in public, Booker has admitted T-Bone was not completely real. Sort of. Per a 2000 interview, 2008 interview with Esquire, T-Bone's actual earthly existence has been fodder for public debate, leading Booker to admit that although T-Bone's corporeal being is a hundred, a thousand percent real, not a hundred percent, again, this guy with the exaggeration. A thousand percent? A thousand percent real. He's an archetype of an aspect of Newark's woe whose actual nom de crack may not be T-Bone. I decided I'd go with part Nas and part Artful Dodger. Maybe a little MC Doom sprinkled on top. <laughs> it pulled well with the audience. Uh, so why does this matter, folks? Well, because especially when politicians start writing their memoirs, start telling little anecdotes about their past and how they've connected with real people, uh, they tend to use composites. For instance, Barack Obama used a composite in Dreams of My Father. I think it was Girlfriends, actually. He dreams of girlfriends? No, he in dreams of my father, Obama talked about like dating a white girl or something, or in the difference in the intricacies of different races dating or whatever. And it turns out like this girlfriend was like a composite of four or five girlfriends. I'm sure the exes love that. Yeah. No, he was saying he was doing that to you know protect people. But it's also a reminder that Booker loves to be the center of attention, but that's not news. If you're running for president, you like being the center of attention. If you're in politics, period, unless you're an analyst or something, I mean... Yeah, you like being the center of attention. Yeah. that's just, It comes with the territory. That's whenever I hear somebody go, Trump's a narcissist. I'm like... they Every single one of those people is. Yeah, I'm like, no kidding. Like, everybody who voted for him knows that. Like, what news do you have? Like, what do the winds bring in? He still surprises me, though, with some of the things he says. Trump? Yeah. I'm like... He is funny. Sometimes it's hilarious, and sometimes it's... Really, dude? No, my favorite... Really? ...recent vintage is when he was down at, a, like, a meeting, a border security meeting with like Senators Cornyn and Ted Cruz and a bunch of the Border Patrol agents and people working on border issues like trafficking and it's in the middle of the shutdown and he's responding to Democratic critics because they say the wall is medieval but actually the wheel is older than the wall and so that must be medieval too and you don't see somebody looking at a car going that's a medieval device the wheel's on because in my mind just goes all sorts of like, wait, aren't the wall and like the wheel biblical? Like, <laughs> they go way back, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and now he's moved on the wall. Like, you could call it you know, fencing, barriers, <laughs> uh, barriers, steel slats, see-through, <laughs> see-through. And a reporter questioned him and how he talked down to her. He's like, you do, maybe you don't know this, but steel is much more powerful than concrete. <laughs> and you can actually see through the slats, which is what the border agents want. They want to see through the slat. And then he was giving a speech in the Rose Garden when they opened government back up. And he's like, and we demand, and he didn't say just a fence. Like, we need fencing, we need berries. He's like, and we're going to call for a very powerful fence. Very powerful. Was it going to be electric or something, Donald? 
Mr. President? I think uh, it's entertaining as hell. I'll have to give him that. I think when the Chinese developed the Great Wall of China to keep the Mongol hordes out, that was a powerful wall. Yeah. But you know what was even more powerful than that wall? The road they built on top of it to travel. So, <laughs> so when the Mongol hordes, they just had a built-in road when they breached the wall. Yeah, it's like, okay, we just need to bribe a few guards or kill them at one spot, yeah. and then we're good to go. Yeah. Which there have been reports in modern-day America that, oh my goodness, some Border Patrol agents are on the take for the drug cartels. Who would have thunk it? Yeah. Or, well, we can't go over it. Uh, we can do maybe like an ultralight prop plane, fly over it. Yeah. Um, or, since we've got all this labor, this free labor from these people we're trafficking, let's just, just dig a tunnel. Yeah. Two miles away from the border and coming out two miles away. The yeah. Border. Yeah. And that is a... How do you stop that? I'm sure there is some tech out there, but that's... Because they dig them deep. And so it's... It'll be very tough to actually yeah, stop. Yeah, that's a, that's a deep tunnel. Well, I imagine you could probably... You could probably get the USGS out there and have them do vibration testing. Yeah. And I would imagine if there's cavern or some sort of porous structure outside of a typical rock face or fascia or whatever they could probably be like there's a good chance there's a tunnel here and then you just get the wascoey wabbit and take it out or elmer fudd at least oh well i did see one thing and it's just the way the news portrays it it just came on the television screen it was of course fox news doing it and it's a Denver residents calling to decriminalize shrooms, magical mushrooms. Mm -hmm. But it isn't like some doctor presenting this or some activist who's well-dressed presenting this. Fox News is showing people doing, like, their best macho man. Freak out, freak out, freak out. Like some dude hippie dancing or whatever. Yeah, shrooms. <laughs> It's like, no, guys. That's so disingenuous. It really is. And yes, there are people that go to these shroom fests and they go out in their minds, but there are people now, especially with some of these psilocybin treatments at legit places like John Hopkins, it's really good for people who are dealing with trauma and PTSD. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, apparently, they're doing the same thing with uh, MDMA, too. And terminally ill patients, it's helping them cope with their fear of death. And these are very structured treatments being administered by doctors. Wow. I'm glad they don't give them ayahuasca. Yeah, I know. <laughs> My goodness. It's just like, God, can we, can we be serious about anything? Well, I, yeah, for sure. CBS refused to air a medical marijuana commercial for the Super for Bowl. For the Super Bowl. But they did air a Scientology commercial. What? Well, and they also aired that Tom Hanks narrated Washington Post commercial. Yeah, I kind of like that WAPO commercial. I, I didn't because I just, it, the end of it, like I knew where it was going. I'm like, oh, this is like a ode to journalism. I'm like, fine, we need I, good journalism. I, I wonder if that had been developed in the months before the Khashoggi torture and murder. It, yes. So do you think they were like, check it off, that's another name. Yeah, put him in there. Put at the end their commercial. But it was no, it wasn't necessarily the whole piece. I actually thought that was tastefully done, talking about reporters that died in war zones and Khashoggi himself. Right. But it's at the end because for years the most obnoxious subheading for any newspaper in the country was the New York Times. All the news that's fit to print. 
To which one of my favorites, Christopher Hitchens, said, I would read that every morning, and if it didn't piss me off, I knew I was losing my edge. (laughs) (laughs) So they've been one-upped, though. They've been topped by the Washington Post. Their new subheading since Trump was elected is, Democracy Dies in Darkness. Oh my God! It sounds like a Michael Bay film. No, that's, that's even that's yeah, it's that's, terrible. That's <laughs> that's something that Aaron Eckhart's character would say in The Dark Knight yeah. as Two Face. Right? It's just it's so. In fact, over the top. I, he probably did say that. Oh, it's just it makes me sick. Or it's like, yeah, journalists are very important, but. Is it just you, the Washington Post, that's defending our democracy from the darkness? Yeah. Or maybe you contribute to the darkness, too. It's kind of a wash. But there's so many places you can go with that. I'm a journalist. I shine a light on things. Yeah, which, where? I don't know, but let my sacrifice (laughs) be a beacon of of hope for those that are afraid. Well, and yeah, of course there's hypocrisy. I, I knew from as soon as that Khashoggi story came out, I'm like, nothing's going to happen. Some low-level guy is going to get killed or blamed for it. That's it's We're not touching like, Mohammed bin, uh, bin Salman. It's yeah. so bothersome, though. Yeah. That? And then you've got the Panama Papers lady. She's dead. Car mm-hmm. blew up. Like, it's... Well, it reminds me of something, I, and I'll have to paraphrase it, but it's at the end of 1984. Where, in, if you don't know it, Winston Smith is very big on trying to document what's going on, not letting certain things... He's trying to learn how the system, the totalitarian system he, he lives under works. And a big part of it is thought control by changing history and changing the very meaning of language. And, you know, you're weak of hate, here's our new enemy, these sorts of things. But when he digs too much... He goes to room 101, and they use his immense fear of rats to torture him, like put rats right up to his face, and it's it's messed up. It's just messed up, but they finally tell him, they say something to the effect the party leaders do, that while you're trying to record history and facts and figure out what the truth is, we're creating the truth. We're creating history. So as soon as you find it, we change it. And it's like, oh, God. While you people are trying to write everything down, we're acting. And it reminds me somewhat of what's going on. It's like people are trying to play by the rules, figure out what's going on with corrupt institutions and governments all over the world, and then the governments go and do something, and they cover it up. You're like, well, and you can't really make heads or tails of it, too. There's no documentation. How are you going to figure this out? Yeah. And even if one story pops, it's like that Las Vegas shooting. Did they close that? They closed it and they said they didn't find any clear motive other than he wanted infamy and it fits with his personality that he would have felt in control killing all those people. It makes you go, what? That's your motivation? Yeah. And so stuff like that, but I'm kind of resigned to, I don't think I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, and there's a part of me that's like, well, I still have some questions, but do I want to know the answers? Right. But that's a dangerous line of thinking to get into. Yeah, you don't want to go into quietism. But, eh. At a certain point, you do make the decision. Do I just enjoy my life, or do I try to be some sacrificial lamb for some cause? If ennui is the greatest sin that man can ever commit, 
you will find yourself constantly reinvigorated if you say, I'm on the verge of ennui. <laughs> Seriously, think about it. Th try it. Be like, I am so close to just giving up. Just utter apathy? Yep. 